and now talk <gasps> again. <laughs> oh, no, the mic! This it's is... not in the beer, is it? No! Okay. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start again. I don't want anyone to hear that, Dan. They can't know. <laughs> they can't know I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> you don't want the secret to get out? Yeah. Michael Beveridge needs to maintain his reputation as being an upstanding man. The best because... thing that ever happened to you was being introduced on Big Brother as a guy with a high IQ. That was like the best thing. No, that was the worst. Since then, expected. you've just worked your way down. I started, I've been like just a weird wild card and lied my way into a tennis tournament and then people have progressively realised that I just can't play. This is Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoo. Talking to interesting people about that interesting thing that interests them. Welcome to another episode, episode 11 of Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoof. I'm Dan DeBoof. That's me. Um, I guess this week is Michael Beveridge, who you might know from Big Brother. That's when you first might have seen his long, luscious red locks and trademark sense of humour. And I'm not writing a press release for the guy. Uh, you might know him from his radio stuff like Weekend Breakfast and YouTube Hits, his well-followed Twitter feed his ads as the face of NRL or Tinder on uh, pedestrian.tv. But his obsession that he wanted to talk about is none of those things. It is Southern Californian punk from 1996 to 2004. Uh, I was pretty excited by the specificity of that obsession. So that's why I was like, yeah, great, let's do it. I went over to his house, um, which... Cops a bit of a mention in the podcast. We covered a lot of ground, actually. It's sort of like the straight guy version of the Nath Valvo chat from a couple of weeks ago about how he discovered Kylie Minogue and, you know, found his people and it's had so much of an effect on his life. That idea that the choices you make while you're young and these obsessions you have and these musical interests you find... Ah, and Michael says this, like the choose-your-own-adventure of your life. It was a very welcome hit of nostalgia, and it's worth a listen, uh, so I hope you enjoy it. Remember to share it with your nearest and dearest, especially if something in it resonates with you. Like, you hear it and you go, oh, I'm going to send this to my friends, who I used to obsess about something with back when we were young, and now look how lives have gone in this amazing way. I'm really loving where this podcast is going and the types of things I get to find out about people who I count as friends or colleagues or have never even met and have always wanted to. And it's really exciting to be 11 episodes deep with more to come before the end of the year and hopefully onward into the future as well. So, yep, if you like it, share it around. Feel free to get in contact with me as well. Here it is, Michael Beveridge, the 11th guest on Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoof. Let's get punk. I am obsessed with many things, but the one we're going to discuss today is Southern Californian punk music based between the years of roughly... 1996 and 2003. Now, I'm, I'll 
maybe take the Southern Californian part back, but not location-based Southern Californian punk, but stylistically. Oh, okay. So it's like um, you know how you can have Calmex. It's it's, it's it Southern Californian in its heart. Yes, it's uh, that's sort of where the sound originated, and then it was then taken on and sort of adapted around not just America, the globe. And what were the years? Roughly 1996 to 2003. And why those years? Well, 1996, I was 10. I wasn't listening to punk, but that's when the sort of the the genre boomed. Uh, And then I think 2003, I think, is when the internet sort of became and the... I think that's sort of when maybe some 41... Uh, I think that's where post-hardcore developed. Bands like Thursday, Atreyu. There was a different sound, which... Uh, the the SoCal punk sound sort of lost its edge. And yeah, that's when you kind of knew, you're like, this is over. Uh, look, it's still close to my heart, but I think that's just maybe when I graduated high school and I became an emo. So, the, like, the punk roots were always there, but, like, girls didn't like punks anymore. They liked emo kids with fringes. So you became one? Yeah. Oh, I remember when Casey Noble, in maybe four months out of high school, said to me, oh, I like the curls because my hair was getting a little bit longer. I took that and I ran with it for the last 12 years. <laughs> like, I'm just a big, long-haired idiot now because one girl said, oh, your hair looks nice longer. That was kind of that moment of, like, you look good with curly hair, Michael. That was when punk died for you. Well, no, the punk, the punk flame always remained inside. <laughs> Like, the punk flame never burns out. Like, it's now 2018, I'm a 32-year-old man, and I will only listen to sort of maybe eight albums, and four of them are punk bands from, like, the late 90s. Okay. It's it's a, it's a really weird one. Anyone listening right now who was part of that... Uh, scene. Not only just that scene, but I think part of any sort of scene uh, that you get into around, you know, year nine, eight, nine, ten that creates a friendship group for you. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. that dictates the way you grow up and exactly who you become. So well, in, in, in a very entry-level format, this is just about punk, but at a broader concept, the reason we are here today is because I got into that music. Well, let's start with, like, how young were you around about, like, 1996? 1996, I was 10. So born yep. in 86. Yep. Uh, and I wasn't listening to punk. My first ever album, I'm just taking off my boots. That's why I'm huffing and a puffing. Uh... <laughs> The very first CD I got was for my birthday. My mum bought me it and it was a bit of a stitch up because my brother, Daryl... He's older than you. A year of 51 weeks. Yeah. Older than me at Cooksuck. Mum, because our birthdays are quite close, uh, mum got Daryl Frog Stomp by Silverchair. Yeah. And I got Self-Titled by Savage Garden. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, I think maybe that... Baby Brother album. Which sucked because at the time, because I'm like, oh, this isn't cool. In hindsight... Savage Garden by Savage Garden is the greatest Australian album of the entire decade of the 90s. You, you can let What kind of tracks through. do we find on that one? Truly Madly Deeply. Yeah. To the moon and back. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty huge. So th- I think that put like melodies into my head. And mm. then uh, I always knew, knew I wanted to listen to heavier music. Mm. And then in year eight, when my brother was in year nine, he got the X Games Volume 3 compilation. And on yeah, that great. was a band... Of Swedish origin, called Millencolin. Yep, I remember them. Yeah, Millencolin, uh, as far as I'm aware, are the greatest export out of Sweden in front of IKEA, <laughs> in front of 
But that's it for yeah. <laughs> that's it for Sweden. So they've got some car brand like Skoda or Skoda. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm <laughs> that's driving. their top three. I'm driving a Skoda. Yeah. Um, and from that point on, I think I was sold because they the southern the southern Californian punk scene also has a very strong tie-ins to. Uh, my second favorite passion, which is skateboarding, between the years of yeah, 1999 okay. and 2005. So there, we got a Millen cassette, a, v- a VHS called the High Eight Adventures, and one of the guitar player, uh, the guitar, the guitarist Matthias Farm, did a 180 nose grind down a seven stair rail, and I was like, this guy's in like one of the best bands, and he can skate rails. Oh yes. This is wild. All I'm wearing is black flex yeah. fit caps. Yeah, I like, want to be this guy now. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. He had bleached hair and he wore a puka shell necklace. I love that when you sort of find your like avatar when you're like a little kid and you're like, oh, that guy's sick. That's, That's what I want to be. the coolest human in the world. Yeah. You know, this guy, Matthias Farm, was the Aldi version of uh, Tom DeLonge uh, from Blink-182. And from that one day, we I listened to that um, Extreme Games CD... I had a really weird progression. I bought uh, Corn, uh, Freak on a Leash, and Limp Biscuit. Yep. Uh, significant Other. Significant Other. Yeah. And that was, I think, 1998 or 99 or something. Well, one of the key tracks on Significant Other is 1999. There you go. So I reckon, yeah. Well, so... So, yeah, anyway, the gateway was uh, Extreme Games and, and then, yeah. Yeah, and I was sort of trying to find my niche. Yeah, Because okay. on that compilation, there was Jebediah. Yes. And so we picked up slightly on Great Perth band, represent. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. You know First gig I ever went to was Jebediah at the Leadable Skate Park. Fantastic. Yeah. Like that's a really great first gig to go to. Yeah. And so the Jebediah sound was really cool and there was a Frenzel song on there as well. And Frenzel was just a little bit too uh just aggressive and sort of fast for me. Yeah. Uh, then there was, you know, I think an Aphex Twin track on there. I didn't like that. That was just a little bit too chaotic and it's weird. It's so interesting to look back at that compilation that you had as a kid mm. and any of the songs on it could have taken you down a pathway. It was all a big fork in the road except yeah. there were like 20 different forks and they weren't yeah. forks. They were dreadlock pathways Yeah, a new metal bass player's hair. That's so interesting. And they shaped everything. Yeah. Everything in terms of the first house I moved out of when mm. I finished school. Uh, I moved just weird segue I moved into a house where this girl's brother was the singer for a band called The Amity Affliction oh yeah okay yeah we then became best mates and that led me to all of my friendship groups now yeah. I've gone to New York in a month with a dude I met through, you know what I mean yep like Max my friend Max like we met through punk and hardcore like mm. all of my close friends now are all through that scene so it's 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 really weird and i know older people like to make fun of like one direction fans and mm. you know whatever new music is happening now but what's what's going to happen is in 10 years time yes they'll look back on that scene and be like maybe that's a little bit silly but the friendships that you form from that they're really important yeah absolutely so and it's also like who are you to say like how someone should you know find their people yeah and like what what other way do you want to find people Mm. I've got work friends. You're a loser. <laughs> where are your punk friends? Yeah, loser? where are your punk friends? You skirt. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, through all that, like finding compilations, and anyone who's sort of maybe older than 26 might be like, oh, you know what? Compilations were such a big deal. Whether it was Hit Machine 13, yeah. You know, whether it was Indie Indie 2000, whether was it was the one that those yeah. early Hottest 100 ones. 
you know uh, it's interesting now though because now that there's so much music around like you want to find anything like you can just click a, type into Spotify or even YouTube and it's all there illegally. or Apple Music if you use that too guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're cool too <laughs> uh, well that's all I use so it's their Zune comeuppance oh. um, <laughs> yeah you killed the Zune well <laughs> um, um, but yeah it's like with so much easy access to things and you can discover it so no quickly. Struggle. Yeah, you don't have that list of 20 songs that you choose from. It's now like, you know, you can instantly see what all these subcultures are the like. The hunt is 90% of the enjoyment, I think, with music. And what... So, let's go back to sort of... It's to, it's maybe 1999, 1998. Yeah. I'm maybe 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Mill and Collins, Penny Bridge Pioneers. That's your gateway song. That was sort of an album that I went, oh, okay, front to back, this is amazing. Um, and from then, from Mill and Collin, what happens? Do I jump online and look for other bands? No, I do not, because we've only got the internet at our library at school. Yeah. What I do is I open the booklet that's yep. in the album, yep. and I go to the thanks section yep and you you every band there every then you, single band you that's mentioned go to the record store and they might you know let's say there's 20 bands mentioned there might be two and and then i found a band that would go on to pretty much shape my entire musical taste and that band was called no effects yep uh no effects is to this day my favorite band i've got no effects tattoos uh i've seen no effects maybe every time they come to australia uh no effects started uh, no effects is fronted by a dude called Fat Mike uh, who was my hero for so long he founded Fat Records which put out albums from bands like Lagwagon Strung Out No Use for a Name uh, Tilt uh, the most like as woke as people try to be now like you know these guys were putting up front and center you know female fronted bands you know uh, Japanese like just different bands they didn't care yeah. they were very DIY punk and they were everything I wanted to be, but I was too private school Brisbane to really go down that path. So when my friends in eight, at 18, 19, 20, 21 started getting neck tattoos and knuckle tattoos, I would just get them on my thighs and I'd keep finishing my business degree. And But, but this passion didn't stop. So Southern California punk, I think for people who don't really know, one of the bands that you go, oh yeah, of course, Pennywise. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a big one. The look was white singlets with- uh, Were they bro him? Throw him, yeah. yeah. Jason Matthew Thirsk, this one's for you. Yeah. Which was amazing. Interesting story about that song. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know what that song is, it's the one that goes, Bro. Fantastic yep. song. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Shane, who I met through the punk scene, uh, he passed away, started this year. We went to the funeral. It was fantastic. You know, it was just a really lovely day. Beach. You know, they all paddled out and did their weird thing. I stayed undercover, as redheads do. <laughs> but at the wake, uh, there was there was this... We were at an RSL and there was just an acoustic guitar player in the corner. And I went up to him like, hey, man, this is weird. But And there's a hundred drunk punk dudes around the corner, like just in the beer garden, because that's sort of where we were having the wake. Mm. And I said, can we just borrow your guitar for like one second? Like, I'll give you a hundred bucks, like just so we don't break it. And he was maybe 19. Like a deposit, yeah. He was like, okay, sure. And a friend uh, took the mic out because it was connected to the P- PA. And one dude just started playing uh, Bro Him. And a hundred dudes all just joined together in a big circle and just sung that song. You know what I mean? Like, and so we all knew it. As in, we weren't just singing the bro bit, like from, you know, to all the friends, prayers and passing beyond. No, like everyone knew that. And I was looking there and I'm like, this entire group of people 
is here because of Southern California Punk from 1996 to 2003-ish. It's really, yeah. When you asked me, what are you interested in? And remember I said, skateboarding. Yeah, basketball cards. Basketball cards. <laughs> I don't really have any of my skateboarding friends. Mm. Uh, basketball cards, I didn't really make any friends through that. They didn't shape anything. Whereas this genre of music, it just... It made me who everything that I am today, every opportunity I've ever had, every friendship that I've ever made after the age of 17 has all been based around the music I listen to. Why? What is it about this music, this moment in time, this place, these people that you reckon holds such... um, Like, it it bonded you guys together so much. You know what? It was it was a really wild time in the world, the two thousand to two thousand and five era, mm. because the internet was in its nascent stages. You know what I mean? It it, it was still yeah, absolutely. Get off the phone. I want to use the like. It was still at dial up fifty six k yeah speeds. <laughs> but I remember when No Effects brought out Rock Against Bush, and well, that's it. That's what I was thinking when you said those years. I was like, well, they're the Bush years. They were the bush years, and but it was before sort of performative wokeness. Yeah, no well, because could, but there was no points for it. Like no, no there was no if Twitter. You, if you did no... something that was socially active or socially conscious, it didn't. You couldn't take a selfie of yourself at a protest. No you one just could went click to... like on it either. No, there was no, there was no uh, leaderboard. And if you did have, you know, if you did take photos there, they would live in your photo album or you'd stick them on your wall of your bedroom or your share you house or whatever. a month and a half later yeah. at Kmart. And it would be, if someone came to your house and saw it, they'd be like, oh, that's so cool that you went to that thing. Oh, were you there? But that's, oh, that's it. Wild. You'd have to already have that person inside your house for them to even see the It was photo. peer-to-peer. Pure yeah. peer-to-peer and yeah. analog peer-to-peer. So... A peer-to-peer, yeah, got it. Um... Sounds like a cool brand. Um, so, I don't know what it was, but I remember joining this punk scene in Brisbane and we would used to go to the Lion's Den Cafe and that's where all the gigs were and we would be donating to, like, you know, causes I wasn't even aware of. We were, you know, doing stuff and it was this really cool little scene, this DIY ethic, and I didn't understand why I liked it, but, you know, 10, 15 years later, as an adult now, I've got those exact same that exact same flame inside me. It's like, oh, you know, be better, do better. You're in a pretty great position in this world, so just try and do better. And that SoCal punk scene, I think, started that for me. Whether it be calling out the government, whether it be saying, like, fuck you to the, you, you know, to the cops, whether it be saying, the like, not being a commie, but, like, saying, oh, man, like, fucking your, your, your boss is being a jerk, like, maybe call it out. It was a wild time, man. Like, and I say wild in the most soft sense. Like, it was just a really enjoyable time for music because that whole discovery aspect, I think a lot of the kids miss, miss out now. Because here's the thing. You used to get into arguments about who liked No Effects more or who liked Lagway yeah. more or who liked, you know, 59 Times the Pain. These bands that really sort of... Uh, yeah. ...were the big dogs of the era and you didn't have Wikipedia to argue from. Yeah. I remember using Encarta 95, yeah. the CD, to look up Buddy Holly... Because I saw that Me First in the Gimme Gimmies, which was a super group of the drummer from uh, Lagwagon, 
who also ended up playing in the Foo Fighters, the bass player from this band, the si- Fat Mike was a bass player. And, you know, it was a super group of bands from Fat Records. They did a Buddy Holly song. And I was like, who's Buddy Holly? And yeah. I, I found that out on Encarta. And I was like, wow. And I read that article 40 times. And I remember on Encarta 95, and hopefully there's a bunch of people who are like, I remember that. Yeah, the Mind Maze. <laughs> there was a David Bowie album not album a david bowie article yeah and it had 45 seconds of the song changes mm. and i used to listen to that because you know they mentioned bowie in an rfx song and i was like bowie you know what i mean yeah. it was such an infl- interesting i always thing remember um they had a sample in Encarta of um grandmaster flashes the message yes and in the article for rap and I would just listen to that one bit and it was about the I can't remember the exact lyrics but it's where he's rapping about you know my mother says I watch too much TV or something like that mm. and yeah I just remember my brother being like oh you listening to that 20 seconds of that TV song again you know yeah because like, that's all we had that's all we had but what, whatever it was about maybe aggressive pop rock or pop punk or punk just in general I just fell in love with and it, it just yeah it, it shaped my friendships I used to when I was overseas in Qatar where I, I my dad lived I used to go and graffiti just the word no effects on walls yeah like they'd kill you for that over there that was like full like Islamic law over there you can't do that shit I don't know what I was thinking um, but still it's kind of like I'm gonna say I wanna this feel that like connection again yeah rage that they're talking about yeah the, the, i'm gonna put i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna I, I don't think it can be argued i think the enjoyment one got from finding music in the late 90s early 2000s and let's just say music before 2005 mm. was way big way bigger and better than finding a band in 2007 is, and beyond is that just what adults say though no, 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 is, because is surely like what i'm saying is now in 20 minutes i can research the latest soundcloud rapper yeah and i can present a fairly cohesive argument about why he and his style of music is a fundamental influence maker in the midwest yeah of, yeah yeah you know what i mean? know I, but there, and also but there's no threshold now like it's just like anything you want you can find so that devalues what it's worth Whereas when we were younger, it would be, like you said, to find those CDs in that discount bin. That's wild. Whoa. That was wild. And I th- and they're CDs. This it's, is not wild, like they're, it's not like they're bootlegs or anything like that. They're just CDs. So, I, I think the joy and the sense of, you know what? Every planet in our solar system has been discovered. Every island has been discovered. Every, uh, you know, there's no uncharted boundaries so there's yeah um but what i'm saying is i think humans have got this innate sense of uh curiosity and discovery that we want and in the early 2000s late 90s we were almost given this weird treasure map yeah in the in the form of a uh insert booklet or sleeve of a cd of a band we loved and that gave us the next clue it was a yeah it was it was a uh, you know, a step-by-step clue guide to shape the way your life panned out. That's true. It was, it was, yeah. it was really interesting because I got a, melancholy, a, a CD from a pop-punk band from Sweden in my brother's room in Capera, Brisbane, and I found the words 59 times the pain, the helicopters, no effects. 
There was no 59 times the pain CD at Skinny's. There was no helicopter CD, but there was a no effects CD. Yeah, absolutely. And I got that CD and I went, wow, this is amazing. And what was great was that as a 15, 14 year old kid, you were given this license to become maybe an expert in something that you were never given in any other world. Mm. Like with this booklet and this treasure map that I talked about before, you were given license to either be Christopher Columbus and go wild, perhaps maybe not slaughter civilizations, but like- Never a good idea. You were, you were maybe Magellan. Actually, no, they're all yeah, terrible. Yeah. I can't think of an explorer that didn't Cortez, kill people. Cortez, no, wait. No, uh, <laughs> what about uh, Alexander the Great? No, no, he killed a lot of people. Um, you were able to- It was a choose your own adventure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you chose whether you wanted to go down- uh, you wanted to start with Mill and Colin, and I could have ended up at um, I could have ended up at Bjork. You know what I mean? I could. Have. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think the same thing. Like, hey, you okay there? I did, Mike. You've got such a shit mic. Just an FYI, any guests listening to this in the future, Dan's mic stands are just they just don't wow. Have- Wow. There we go. Okay, so I'm just going to go. I've got a record, big record collection. So I'm just going to run over and I'm going to grab five records that really shaped my youth. And I can sort of maybe give a bit of a discussion about beverages top five. Beverages top five, right? All right, let's start from number one. (laughs) So. What do you got? No Effects is The Decline is A, the greatest song ever recorded. Uh, B, it's 18 minutes and 17 seconds long. Oh, uh, I love that. It's it is an it's the Bohemian Rhapsody of the punk music scene. Uh, regardless of who you are, what you think, if you're into punk music, No Effects is the Decline is a work of art. Much in the same way that Godfather is a work of art. You might think it's too long. You might think it's a little bit drawn out. You might think it's a little bit like simplistic. This is a work of art. So this was one of the first things I ever went to buy. Because this song means so much to me. So much to me. The lyrics in it just made me... And yes, they might be stupid now. But anyone who goes, oh, that's a dumb thing. I'm like, it wasn't back then. It was cool back then. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you didn't have people instantly commenting and saying that it was a dumb thing. And everyone... Everything could exist just quietly and, you know... Let people enjoy things. Yes. That was the way it worked. So, that was a song that sort of meant a lot. and And that will always be my... You know when they're like, what's your favourite thing? People like, you always go, uh, uh. If someone says, what's your favourite song? It is always The Decline by Norfolk. Oh, great. I don't think I've listened to it in a year and a half. But I, you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like an old friend that you can just catch up with. Yeah, I love that. And and exist and you've got so many favourite parts to it. and it, It's just great. The next one is uh, No Effects, uh, 22 songs that weren't good enough to go on our other records. Uh, it's a double. B-sides uh, and... Well, the CD is forty-five or forty-six songs that weren't good enough, but because this is a record, it was it's the it's the yeah, sure. A side. Yep. Um, this I remember getting in year twelve mm. on CD, and everything about it just introduced a whole bunch of other stuff to me. Uh, there's a song called Zyklone B Bathhouse, and I was like, "What is Zyklone B?" I mean, Bathhouse? Yeah, so you learn all about the Nazis, yeah, and that's why I went and, and found yeah, out about yeah, what yeah, Zyklone yeah. B Bathhouse was about, and, and then you know. There's a the number the, the leading song is Pimps and Hookers and it sort of talks about how you know um, pimps and Wall Street uh, bros walk the street in business clothes. Um, you're getting laid while you're getting at least they're getting laid while you're getting laid off, and, and that I think started my because I'm insanely positive about sex workers and the fact that 
I always tell people, be like, oh, would you be happy if your daughter was a sex worker? I'm like, I'd be way happier if my daughter was a sex worker than, say, you know, uh, someone who hated their job. You know what Mm. I mean? I have no problem with sex work. uh, And I, I think my, this planted that seed for me. This album is new. It's Who's called, that guy? Uh, so that's uh, Tony Sly. Tony Sly was the lead singer of a band called No Use for a Name. Uh, no Use for a Name. Oh, uh, that rings a bell. Yeah, one of the most melodic punk bands ever to come out of Southern California. They were the the, the very best at creating harmonic choruses that just stuck with you. This guy was brilliant. I loved everything about him. I remember uh, James Matheson, uh, former Channel V host former political candidate, Australian Idol host. Uh, he used to, he won the search for a, I believe it was Channel Red back in the day. Before no, I know exactly. V. I know it was it was Channel V as well. It was... There was maybe a crossover period. Yep. But him and Yumi Steins. Yeah, I, 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 this was like probably, again, one of the most defining moments in my childhood yeah. was that Channel V search for a reporter. And just watching these people who are just like me, but mm. a bit older, just, I remember these things vividly. Yeah, it sort of taught you that being zany was okay. Yeah, and it also... Not going with the grain was... I think it's the reason why we went and did what we did with our lives. Mm -hmm. They got a lot to answer for. Well, James Matheson went on to host the Punk Rock Show. Every Wednesday night on Channel V at 8.30 or 9.30, they would play 30 minutes of punk rock, which if it was regular music, it's not a lot of music. But with punk rock, you'd probably fit in maybe 15 songs in that period. Yeah, absolutely. So I used to tape it every Wednesday night and No Use for a Names Why Doesn't Anybody Like Me was on there and it was one of the most hauntingly brilliant choruses ever Tony Sly took his life maybe six years ago five years ago he sucked he had two kids uh, you know two little girls or a little girl I'm not his dad I don't know Um, uh, and all of every single punk band that I love made this dedication album so I got the like so you've got Mad Caddies, Strung Out, Rise Against, Bad Religion, No Effects, Snuffed, Bouncing Souls, Lagwagon, Pennywise, Alkaline Trio, Gaslight Anthem, Yellow Card, Swingin' Artists, Simple Plan, uh, The Flatliners, Useless ID, Anti Flag, Frenzel. Wow. So it's this it's this brilliant collab. And so this and the fact that he used to sing about depression really introduced to me I tell you what, Wu Tang ain't dropping rhymes about anxiety. Yeah, you know and I mean? it is also that thing of like, wow, if, you know, this guy can feel it. Well, this, yeah. no, it was more, my point for this one is uh, punk rock gets a lot of flack for being dumb and that emo punky phase. But who else was telling 14-year-old boys mm. and girls that having depression was uh, normal? Pop music wasn't doing it. Hip hop wasn't doing it. Heavy metal wasn't doing it. So that Tony Sly album means a lot to me just in terms of being able to see all the songs he wrote back in the day done differently. Uh, Rancid. Rancid did Destination Unknown. Okay. Ruby, 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 Ruby. Yep. So anyway, this is a split album, No Effects and Rancid, and they oh, covered cool. each other's songs. And this to me was one of the most amazing things in the world because I had oh. my favorite songs from No Effects covered by another band I loved. And it just introduced the That's idea. That's genius. Of, That's literally. I'm surprised that more people don't do that. It's just. It was just really cool. Like yeah. to hear your favorite song done by. You're like you know when a no name covers something, you're like it's boring. But when uh, to me that was that introduced the idea of collaboration and like oh let's do this, let's do this. You got to stay on your mic too because you're oh, sorry. getting too drawn away by I your records. Music. Um, and what I'm going to introduce you to now is it's not bittersweet, but it's it's the goodbye. Okay. To that period for me. 
It's a it's an album by a band called Thursday, and the album's called uh, Full Collapse. Uh, and and this was like uh, I became an emo, like it became a post. I got rid of that baggy pants, and it became tight jeans. Yeah, uh, all right. You know. Uh, and so, what year is this? Two thousand and four. Ah, the twilight years. Yeah, yep. and it was just a really interesting thing because what you have is all of these guys that used to love that sort of music growing. Mm. Learning together, starting scenes, starting venues, starting, you know, record labels, starting clothing companies. It was all just really cool to grow up in that period of music. And it could be because I'm older and I don't have my finger on the pulse anymore in terms of music. And maybe these things are happening. I'm sure they are. But it was really cool and I feel privileged to be an Australian person. No, that doesn't really matter. But be a person who grew (laughs) up in that scene in Australia. Yeah. Because Australia was always so far away from everything we loved. But... Um, what I think is wild and what everyone listening, I want you to sort of maybe just reflect on a second. Yeah. Whatever it was, whatever alternative subculture of music you chose to get into, I want you to think about what followed from that and if the position you're in now via process of sort of trickle-down economics was based on what you listened to. Because I think music was so powerful to people between the ages of 15 and 30. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think that's a nice thing to leave us on. Yeah. The idea that, yes, we can talk about funny things that we're, you know, fully uh, obsessed with, but obsessions lead to friendships and friendships lead to jobs and mm. jobs lead to wives and husbands and, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what you're obsessed with is your choose your own adventure to your life. And whether it's that, you know, choose your own adventure about, you know, racing horses or choose your own adventure to, you know, Southern California punk rock, you you find your way to the end, but it's it's the scene that you base your life around. Mm. It's wild. Well, thank you so much for, you know, having me over in your share house. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> the Choose Your Own Adventure le- led to this ending. You know how you'd find, like, the end? And but, you'd be like, oh, no, and you'd go back. Keep like, your thumb on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what's wild, though? We bonded when we first met, like, five yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah. The fact that we were mm. the slightly alternative guys in commercial mm-hmm. radio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, we didn't have the same musical taste, but you know what? I loved Russell Brand because I was led to Russell Brand exactly. the from things, my space. Yeah, and we found head. these things. They, they, it all, ah, everything that oh, started. Ah, okay, yeah. I'm yeah. putting it together. It's like Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind. And it all starts, yeah, the with those boosh. random things that you just pick up when you are a teenager and you don't know any better. No. You're forging your life. You don't even realise. Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBooth is pretty much made entirely by me, Dan DeBooth, except for the music, which is by Caleb Garfinkel, and the artwork, which is by David Ferrier and Joe Kutri.